Well, hi, everyone. Um, I'm Janethe, recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia. Let me extend my welcome to all the new people and just say, as Melissa mentioned, we're not affiliated with Overeaters Anonymous or any other 12-step group. Um, and one thing about that is it allows us to bring in outside literature. So today, when I was preparing for step six, I ran and I got um, a journal um, that I used as I was reading a book that helped me with my um, many, many character defects. And I found some notes in there that I thought would be helpful. So if you if you look for them in the big book, it ain't gonna be there, um, but hopefully it's helpful. And for sure, it's all big book principles, but I'm gonna start um, step six, page 63 of the AA 12 and 12. So step six says, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Well, the first thing that generally gets removed, right, is the is the alcoholism or the compulsive eating. Bottom of 63 says, this is how a person usually summarizes it. I simply couldn't stop drinking and no human being could seem to do the job for me. But when I became willing to clean house and then asked a higher power, God, as I understood him, to give me release, my obsession to drink vanished. It was lifted right out of me. So they're saying that basically our story goes that we reach the end of our rope. We realize we can't stop for us binging. And we go to God, willing to go to any length, asking him to help. And God just lifts the obsession with food from us. Um, for me, it was that dramatic. I was binging before a meeting. I took a tough sponsor. I said, I will do anything you tell me. And I meant it. And I went out to the parking lot and basically said the same thing to God. I'll do anything. And it was like a hand reached into my soul and yanked out the obsession. And they're now telling us that the same God who did that is going to help us with our character defects. Because just like I couldn't stop binging on my own, I couldn't stop being selfish and self-centered on my own. And again, still in the AA 12 and 12, it talks about our defects. And it says on page 65, that most of us are born with an abundance of natural desires and they far exceed their intended purpose. They drive us blindly. And they say, to the extent that it, they drive us blindly or we demand more than our share, they say that's the measure of our character defects or if you wish of our sins. They kind of use the words interchangeably. But let's go a little deeper. How come my natural desires ran amok and other people's don't? What makes people like us different? Well, get a couple clues on page 27 of the big book. It says that what we need is a huge emotional displacement and rearrangement. What has to be arranged, right? My, my thinking, my feelings, my emotions, it's all out of order. It's like a big out of order sign doesn't work. Um, what does that mean that they're out of order um, or that my emotions, my priorities are disordered? Basically, it means that God isn't first. And we will see that when God isn't first, 
all sorts of character defects flow out of that. So the only way really to reorder our desire toward God and to see why God isn't first is to identify our defects, identify where our hearts are committed instead. You know, the number one defect, idolatry, right? Putting something or someone else before God. What are our God substitutes? And I read this and this was very helpful to me. So I'm just going to share it. But again, this isn't out of the big book. So for this, it's take what you want and leave the rest. Um, there are four main God substitutes that give birth to all sorts of character defects. So the first God substitute is human approval, right? And that's where we care more about what other people say than about doing what God's will is. And what happens? Well, it gives birth to anxiety, um, an over need to please other people. We're unable to withdraw from volatile or unhealthy relationships. We're unable to take criticism. We're cowardly when it comes to confronting others because we care too much about what they say. I mean, we know this defect as people pleasing, but what it really is is making a God out of human approval. What other defects does this give birth to? Hypersensitivity, um, because if people don't approve of us, we just wither. And we often overcommit you know, these are the people who overcommit to every committee because we're too afraid to say no because of what are people going to think about us. So how do we know if we've got this um, idol in our lives, the idol of human approval? Well, we'll see that we have a lot of fear in the form of cowardice. We don't confront things we should. And our greatest fear is rejection. I know I suffered like this from this defect in the, and its manifestation with me was that I didn't discipline my children properly because I was afraid they wouldn't love me. So I would vacillate between being too lenient and then I would get mad because I would feel they're taking advantage and I would go to the other extreme and be too hard. Um, but that was because I had the defect of um, making an idol out of human approval. So what's the antidote? Again, we ask God to remove it and we focus on getting more in love with God, putting God first. Um, the second idol or God substitute is an inordinate love of physical pleasure and comfort, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with pleasure per se. This is an overlove of it, that pleasure is too important to us, that we spend too much time and money on it. And what does it lead to? Sloth, laziness, irresponsibility. And how do we know if we have it? If our greatest fears are not having anything fun to do and a fear of boredom. Third God substitute is power over others. These are the people who, you know, kind of crap the crack the whip and always need to be in charge and tell others what to do and don't give people grace, don't cut them slack. We can tell if we have this if we're poor listeners, belligerent, unteachable, 
and unable to admit we're wrong, that we don't act for the benefit of others without expecting a return. We act so that we stay in charge. Um, and what happens? We become overly opinionated and we're unable to admit when we're wrong. And the solution, again, asking God to remove it, but making a concerted effort to do things for others. And the fourth one is control. Um, and when I first looked at this, I thought, oh, well, that's kind of the same as power. But this isn't necessarily having control over other people. It's thinking I can control the future and my whole life by planning and managing properly. Um, I try to plan for every contingency. People who have this idol um, have trouble sharing power, have trouble delegating, and manipulate others with guilt and pressure. Um, and obviously, since we don't know the future, which is 100% in God's hands, um, we're always like on edge because we don't know what's going to happen. And that's our greatest fear, you know, uncertainty. So, um, and I have a little note here, overconfidence in one's ability to control life is always haunted by the nagging character defect of worry. So again, if we worry, you know, sometimes we say, well, it's natural. I'm a mom. Moms worry. No, then I've got the idol of control. I need to be in control. I need to see the future. So again, those were just things that helped me, idols in my life that I could see. Um, back in the 12 and 12, it says that usually we have these character defects and they cause us trouble, that they're natural desires that have run amok. So again, I'm just gonna mention a few that, you know, that I saw that I had and that I tried to learn something about. Um, anxiety, very similar to fear. The emotional distress caused when something vital to my life is threatened. Um, and again, if I'm relying on God, it makes all those other things less important and less fragile so that I don't care so much. Um, when we have this kind of anxiety, it's really helpful not to try and go it alone, not just me and God, that we get around others who can help us, who can affirm us, who can share their experience of God's love and God's coming through. And to just be there so we don't feel alone. Another character defect that it's people sometimes um, position as an asset is perfectionism. Like, I want to just do everything right all the time. And I have a couple of things on that. Um, one, first, it's impossible. So I'm going to set myself up to be unhappy. And it's really a form of pride thinking that I'm always going to do everything right. I'm not. The big book tells us that we're going to make mistakes. That's why there's a nightly review. You know, all these questions to review all my mistakes during the day. Um, it's also a lack of confidence in God, right? Um, Melissa and I were talking about this before the meeting. If Google Maps can reroute me if I've made a mistake, Surely my heavenly father who loves me can reroute me if I make a mistake. 
And again, in this book, in the AA 12 and 12, it gives me the formula. What do I have to do? I have to ask. I just ask, God, I made a mistake. Forgive me and help me. And I want to mention a way that perfectionism is sometimes used. So sometimes a person will, um, I, someone said this to me recently, I have perfectionism and like I, I ate off my food plan, but you know, I'm being a perfectionist. I'm like, oh, wait a second. You know, no, the problem is you ate off your food plan. What's going on there? So sometimes it's a way, it's a manipulative technique that we can use so that other people won't take our inventory if I say I'm a perfectionist and I did this thing wrong. Because if you throw out that I'm a perfectionist, what the other person will say is, no, don't be a perfectionist. Don't be so hard on yourself. When again, our book tells us we're hard on ourselves, but considerate of others. Not hard in the fact of I made a mistake. I'm, you know, the scum of the earth, but I made a mistake. I'm going to admit it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and pretend that it was okay. And then we go to God, ask his forgiveness, ask his help to change and make any amends. Another defect, and I'm not mentioning like the standard ones, like selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, frightened. I want to mention some we might not think so much about. Um, lack of self-control. Self-control is the important ability in any situation to both recognize and choose the important thing over the urgent thing. It's choosing the important thing over the urgent thing. And to honor, trust, and please God are always the important things. And um, here's a prayer for self-control that I say almost every day. Um, Lord, the more you're on the periphery of my thoughts and feelings, the less self-control and the less love I have. The more you're in the center, vividly before the eyes of my heart and attention, the more I can control myself and love others. Lord, please grab and hold my attention moment by moment so I can live as I should. Amen. So it's interesting, like the solution for lack of self-control, just like the solution for all defects, is to notice it, ask God to remove it, and then spend time focusing on God and helping others. It's like the solution to every defect. But again, I just want to mention some that we might not um, be aware of in ourselves. The next one um, is gloating. So gloating is having joy at another person's sorrow or shame. I mean, I used to have that when I got mad at my daughter and if she like failed at something, I would secretly be happy right? You know, that's gloating, like a really bad character defect. And the note I have here is, God may find my glee at another person's downfall worse than whatever they did wrong. So we don't want to gloat over someone's, you know, wrongdoings. We want to be sad about it and do what we can to help. Next one I have is, Envy and envy stems from a couple things. One, being obsessed with what I deserve. 
instead of remembering that I deserve nothing and it's all grace, it's all a gift. Um, and that because of God and his goodness, I have more than I deserve. And the second thing is being preoccupied with the present instead of remembering that, you know, ultimately God will make all things right and I'll get everything I need. Remember what um, it tells us, the one of the third step promises, God provides everything I need if I do two things, if I stay close to him and perform his work well. Um, another defect, gluttony. And I thought gluttony was just like eating too much, but I like this definition, the inability to live a life of delayed gratification, the inability to live a life of delayed gratification. It's like the love of pleasurable physical sensation dominant dominates and gluttony is to always take the easy way out instead of looking at um, the deeper joy that comes from when we serve others. Um, the great mistake of gluttony is to seek happiness directly rather than as a byproduct of living responsibly and loving well. The next one I have, and this is a big one of mine, um, sloth, having an inordinate desire for ease, rest and comfort. That still, if I had to say my top three, that one would be in there. Um, here's a couple notes I have on sloth. Lazy people don't love life enough to work hard to enjoy more of it and don't love people enough to work hard so that they can give to them. Um, lazy people demand their own schedule and they're too self-absorbed to notice windows of opportunity that once closed are gone forever. And sloth is progressive. It's a loss of the basic attitudes and habits necessary for good work, keeping commitments, getting work done on time, not being controlled by outside circumstances, not needing reminders and coercion, and taking pride in high quality work. But just like sloth is progressive, um, our recovery is progressive. And what it does is it entails more and more of a conformity of our will and our life to be more and more like our creator. So that's what we get in recovery. Couple more defects, um, greed. That's where we put wealth ahead of moral principles. And it's we don't just merely enjoy wealth, we trust in it. What's an action we can take if we have that defect? Practice the opposite, generosity, give to others, time, money, whatever we're greedy with. And the last one I wanna talk about here, just out of my own notes is self-pity. Let me get the definition I have here for self-pity. Um, it's thinking that whatever bad thing happens to me, I don't deserve it right? If something bad happens, it's like, well, I kind of, you know, it's like if I rob a bank and go to jail, I'm probably not going to have much self-pity because I'm going to realize that my bank robbery led to going to jail. Um, but a lot of times I think, oh, I should just be exempt from suffering, even though 
It happens to everyone. Um, and self-pity is dangerous because it tells me that because of whatever I'm suffering right now, I deserve pleasures that I know are wrong. Like, look what happened to me. Oh, I can have a little extra something. In AA, they say, poor me, poor me, pour me another drink. In OA, we say that self-pity parties usually end with a cake. So um, my sponsor makes no bones about it. She just says, self-pity is the devil. She, you know, she's really against it. So, okay. So that I just hope was helpful. Some defects that we don't generally talk about that, you know, I, I read about and I, they were helpful to me. Um, so back to the AA 12 and 12 on page 65, they tell us that if we ask, God will certainly forgive us. That's the condition to being forgiven. Um, yes, God knows what we did and he knows my heart to know if I'm sorry, but he wants us to ask why. I don't know if I were God, maybe I would have done it differently, but that's how he designed it, that we ask and then he grants us the forgiveness. And it says, um, okay, he'll forgive us. But he doesn't render us white as snow. In other words, he doesn't 100% change us and leave us that way without our cooperation. We're supposed to work toward it. So when I um, that night, I decided I was willing to go to any lengths and took a tough sponsor. My sponsor said to me, the first lie, we're done. I mean, that was pretty strong terms. But I was desperate. So I just, and I was a compulsive liar. If any of you've heard my story, I faked muggings, faked rapes. I just like lied, just, I don't know, because that's what I did. And I decided then I was going to stop lying. And so I, it wasn't like God came down and removed my compulsive dishonesty. I watched my words like a hawk. And I would stop myself mid sentence and say, wait, what I just said that wasn't true. That was a lie. And eventually, I don't know how long it was, but I don't think it was very long. Um, God completely removed that defect, but I had to put in the work. And now, I mean, even when my kids were teenagers, I remember my son saying once, yeah, my mom's a lot of things, but she's not a liar. I mean, you know, but so we put in the work and it says a lot of defects just get better with um, patient improvement. And they talk about um, some other defects here. They talk about greed, which masquerades as ambition, self-righteous anger, which is enjoyable, that we take satisfaction from the fact that many people annoy us. Why? Why would I feel good that like, oh, I'm so annoyed by them? Because we feel superior then. And me without God, I feel superior and prideful all the time. So that's why I have to, you know, stay close to God so he can protect me from that. And how do they talk about gossip? Um, a polite form of murder by character assassination. There's some ways we gossip where we'll say like, oh, can you pray for so-and-so? You know, when we're really just gossiping. So we want to be careful about that. They call it murder by character assassination. And, you know, again, they go through a whole bunch of defects 
And, you know, they talk about step six as being willing to give them up. And I thought, why would anyone not be willing? And I thought about my original um, step work and in step six thinking, okay, if I give up my anger or my vengefulness, it means the other person gets away with it. And I didn't want the other people to get away with it. So I had to remember, do I want God to use that standard for me? Because if he does, I'm in big trouble. So um, God let me get away with so much. I'm still alive. I'm healthy. I have a great sense of purpose. So I need to, you know, I need to be generous in spirit and be willing. And it says, um, Sometimes we say this, I cannot give up yet, but we should never say this, I will never give up. So that's kind of all I have. It's a little light um, tonight. I don't have a ton more else, but you know, I hope we don't all leave here feeling bad about our defects because instead we should, um, in our fourth step, we should really take the time and go deep and really look at our defects. On our website, um, recoveryjam.com, we have a defect list where you can fill in, you know, there's a bunch of defects listed. Not everyone has all of them um, and list how that defect manifests. And I always tell people when you do that, if like, let's say the defect is stealing, and you stole a piece of bubble gum when you were a kid and you robbed a bank, you're going to put down the bank robbery. We want to get all this stuff out of it. You know, we should, um, we do this and then we can rejoice that we have a God who delights in removing our defects of character so that he can have a relationship with us, right? My job is to identify them and be willing to have him remove them and then practice the opposite, right? I can't ask God to remove my greed and just keep buying stuff for myself and not give money to charity. Um, but it's me and God. Again, the twin themes in this book, faith without works is dead. If it was all up to me, I'd have anxiety because there would be no way I could do it all. If it was all up to God, I'd have no initiative and sit back and expect God to be like my fairy godmother and wave a wand and like strike me unselfish and, you know, neat and orderly and, you know, humble and all that other stuff. Um, this step, like this whole book, is the perfect marriage of faith and works. I do my part and I trust in a loving God who meets me not just halfway. He goes, like 93% of the way I do my part. And then he comes in and removes my defects so that I can serve him and help others. And with that, I pass. Thanks.